Blog Talk Radio. Global Gospel. We are here every Saturday from 1 p.m. 
until 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So let your family, friends, neighbors know to log on to www.blogtalkradio.com slash global hyphen gospel. And so in our number in studio, if you desire to call in a little later, 619-924-0800, take that number down and remember it. Uh, We want you to know that we are syndicated on Apple iTunes, Spotify, and uh, Google Google Play. And so uh, you can reach out to us on those platforms. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, and we're on Tumblr. So please like our page, share uh, this episode. If you go to our Tumblr page, Facebook page, or Twitter page, there is a direct link uh, to uh, this episode and all episodes. All you have to do is click on the link. And so at this time, we are going to... uh, start out with a word of prayer and then I will come back and give you a little more information and we will move further along in our program uh, our experience for the afternoon let us pray Heavenly Father we come before your presence with thanksgiving in our heart Thank you for waking us up this morning and starting us on our way, bringing us to this very point, this very pinnacle in the day where we can discuss how to move forward within this pandemic. God, we thank you that although many have made, not, have not made the cross that sea, oh God, and that you've called them home in the midst of the pandemic, God, that you have seen us through, that you've watched over us and protected us, oh God. And while the house of God is full of sorrow for all the generals we have lost, we still give your name praise because you are still a sovereign God. And that you do whatever you choose fit to do. Comfort all the bereaved. Heal all the brokenhearted. Watch all of those who are in the midst of grief, O oh God. Give them the power that they need to move on day to day. God, give us wisdom from on high as we guide ourselves through this talk. Allow us to give wisdom to the people on how to navigate from this point forward. In Jesus' name we pray and ask it all. Amen and thank God. Amen. Thank you, Brother Preacher, for that word of prayer. And uh, we thank you again for joining us uh, today at Global Gospel. For those that have tuned in for the first time, our theme scripture here, Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And so our prayer today is that uh, none would be lost, that uh, certainly you would uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and accept the gospel of Jesus Christ because the gospel is there to heal you, to deliver you, to save you, and set you free. And certainly you need to know that Christ died for my sins and your sins and the sins of the world. And he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So we pray that you uh, stay tuned with us uh, these next few minutes as we share with you something that is uh, life-changing, eye-opening, and inspiring. 
And so today, with that being said, uh, we want to also thank all our listeners around the country, around the world, uh, all of our sponsors, and I will shout those out later. Uh, But we thank you for uh, sharing with us today, and certainly we want you to be receptive uh, to what is said today and uh, be respectful uh, to the opinions and the ministry of others. And certainly I recognize that I do not have all the answers, and certainly um, there are, we are here to work together on this earth and to strengthen each other. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his brother is what the scripture says. And we uh, also want you to know that we don't own the rights to any of the music uh, that you hear today, uh, but we pray that it's a blessing to you. And so I'm going to uh, let... Um, I guess um, introduce uh, themselves and tell them tell you who they are and I'm sure you read the headline cause and effect uh, Minister Kajana Walker and Bishop Wayne Jr. and certainly they will tell you who they are uh, as we move forward. Amen. Go ahead, my brother. Minister, Minister Kajana. Uh, right, I'll start with myself. Okay, my name is Minister Kajana Walker. I'm from, I'm from originally from Hempstead, New York. Um, I'm now live in Atlanta, Georgia, where I serve as an Atlanta police officer for the city of Atlanta. Uh, grew up in the Mount Olive Baptist Church there in Oyster Bay, New York, and currently serve under the direction and leadership of Pastor Tamarcus T. Cook here in St. Smyrna Baptist Church in Noonan, Georgia. Um, that's a little bit brief background on me. Uh, I'm currently a college student at Georgia State University where I am a pre-law major. Uh, pray for me as I try to finish this degree. <laughs> uh, but we thank God for the opportunity to be on here. My brother, my big brother, Reverend Lamar Towns, and we thank God for him and the opportunity to be on. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Uh, My name is Bishop Wayne. God bless you, everyone. It's a pleasure, a privilege to be here. I'm honored to have uh, your ear for this time. And um, I'm just grateful for the invitation. And so uh, a little bit about me, born and raised here on Long Island, Uh, moved between Amityville and and Central Islip. Several years ago, moved away to Missouri and came back by way of God leading us to get back to New York. For what reason? I'm still trying to figure out (laughs) in totality. Um, but uh, grew up Pentecostal, good old-fashioned Pentecostal boy, um, and with with a, a Baptist background. Uh, through my grandfather, my grandfather, Reverend Rufus Daniels, and um, he assisted with many churches here in the area. And so, uh, very broad uh, Christian upbringing, um, and uh, God has brought me from that to a little bit more of what I call the ancient faith, uh, where. Um, very much just focused on uh, very early Christianity and understanding of Christianity from uh, an early Christian and biblical perspective. Um, so I'm here today to offer whatever insights I can and in, in what God is doing in this world, and I hope that uh, it is beneficial and a blessing to someone. Amen. Well, we thank you uh, both for uh, sharing uh, this time today and taking time out of your busy schedule to share with uh, the world, uh, certainly your ministry and what God has given uh, you to do and to say. And certainly, um, I hope that the audience uh, knows who you are. Uh, 
a little bit right now. And so um, would you all like to tell us, um, so the Brotherhood is here today, and uh, we're talking about cause and effect. And so many things have taken place uh, over the past year, going into two years now. And I think uh, it was in order for us to just pause again and hear from others um, about uh, life's journey and how we can help ourselves and help each other and help uh, to build God's kingdom. And so um, both uh, ministers, and um, tell us a little bit. Um, we can go in whatever order, uh, formal but uh, not informal conversation. Um, have we been, any one of us uh, personally, and I think everyone's been personally affected by quote unquote pandemic. Uh, can we elaborate on that, brothers? I'll field that question. Um, I'll field that question. I think, like you said, everybody has uh, has dealt with some type of personal effect um, from the pandemic um, in many ways. I mean, many of us have lost pastors, friends, in ministry um, that were considered generals in the ministry who have now gone on to be with the Lord. Um, so on the spiritual side, we've lost some people who, who were the leaders. Now, now now we're left in a place where, well, who's going to give the vision? You know, you know, now it's time for Joshua to step up and, and to fill, fill that role because Moses, my servant, is dead. I think that's that's on the spiritual side. Me personally, on the police side, I'm a police officer, so I see the the, the violence in our community from the pent up aggression of of the lack of resources and being pent up in the house all day every day. Um, the increase in domestic violence, the increase of lashing out because we don't know how to uh, discuss and talk out our emotions and feelings. So. I'm seeing that firsthand. I'm seeing an increase and an uptick in crime because while every other state closed, the city of Atlanta did not. Um, the state of Georgia um, was not allowed to close by our governor um, due to whatever reasons that they were. While our mayor tried to shut the city down, our governor overrode that, overrode that decision. And so every person with with ill intent has come and descended upon Atlanta to to, to commit their crimes um, here in this city and mix that with the criminals that were already here, man. We are and and the people who are who are starving and hungry because they're not working. You're you're just putting it in a situation where something was bound to happen, and our crime rate has been through the roof, and the work uh, load has increased tremendously. So that's how I've been personally affected by this this pandemic. Um, that we're dealing with on, on both fronts, both spiritually and personally. Wow, that's deep, and and I can um, attest to that. Uh, the first portion of it, when you you mentioned uh, the leadership and the transition and the shift, uh, as a bishop in the church, I'm kind of on the front lines of that myself, and having to deal mm-hmm. with several churches and ministries who have lost pastors, who have lost leaders. And one of the things that we see in this season is that they did not have a lot of uh, many of these men from this particular era or generation did not have any succession plan in place. 
So now the churches are actually left in chaos almost uh, because they didn't actually have anyone who was set to take over after they left. Or And even if they did, sometimes the church is rebelling against that, so on and so forth. So we're seeing a lot of uh, what is happening in, in secular society is also mimicked now and is happening within the church for the same exact reasons. You've had people who were pent up, not in church for uh, quite some time. Some of them were home. Some churches stayed open, and uh, you know, but some of them that were closed, they're uh, now trying to reopen. They're having to reassess what's going on. There are many members who are not going to be coming back to those churches because they closed. Some churches that stayed open lost people. Like, so it was a very difficult time for anyone, especially those who have lost leaders. And so now... Uh, in this position of working with pastors and other bishops and so you know apostles and prophets and such, um, this is this whole season that we're in is a season uh, that I believe is chaotic for a reason. Uh, you played the song "Sovereign," right? God is sovereign, and you say He does what He wants and He does how He wants. And I believe that this season of chaos was allowed to come upon us so that way there the 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 few, and I say I have to say it this way, but the few that are listening and watching can actually see what God is trying to accomplish through it. Doesn't mean that God sent it. I don't believe that God sent COVID. I don't believe that it, it was at God's hand saying, "I got to punish people." So I'm. Do-. I don't believe that. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I do believe is that humanity gets in enough trouble by ourselves. And God, <laughs> you know, like we are the cause of our own trouble and, and we have consequences for our action. Doesn't mean that God has to necessarily punish us for something that's happening. It's just it's the outcome of our inability to either trust God, to hear him uh, when he's speaking loud and clear. And then all of a sudden we, we find ourselves in a pandemic and all these things. And now we're saying, God, where are you? Well, he's been speaking the whole time, but we weren't listening. So now we have this chaos that it has been allowed to come upon us. For those who are listening for God still and saying, God, what are you saying? Where is the peace in the midst of this? And, and so if, if the church, in my opinion, this is the season for the church to show that it is separate from the world. Mm-hmm. This, this is the season for the church to rise up and say, we are the example left by God in this world as his government. And then when the church can get that right, then it will begin to spill out into the streets and it will spill out into our neighborhoods and our communities where the people who quote unquote belong to the church would not be so set on staying home as far as, Oh, I don't have to go to church. Well, then what else are you doing? Are you out in your community serving? Are you helping those who are out there in need? So no, you didn't go to the church building, but did you cease being a Christian? And, and That's, that's a challenge that I'm seeing, and um, I, <laughs> I have taken up the mantle to, <laughs> to speak out against and to say, listen, this, this is our time to shine. It's in times just like these that the church actually grows the most because we become visible when, and, and most times when people are comfortable and they're satisfied with life and things are going well, this is when the church does its best work. It's helping those who are in need, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, housing the homeless taking care of those who are, you know, the orphans and the widows, as scripture tells us. Mm-hmm. And then from there, that will trickle out into those people who are out running rampant, committing crimes 
and domestic violence and all kind of stuff because they have somebody who's actually caring about them, coming to them to see about them, and working with them to overcome their challenges. Wow, uh, that was well that said. Was well and and um, I think you both uh, said a lot for me to uh, piggyback on. Now, I personally <laughs> have been affected uh, ministry-wise by this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna leave my personal my personal story testimony is for another day. But but uh, let me ask you, you all a question. Um, so we are in this generation, uh, a younger generation, and so. And we know that fathers and sons have uh, sometimes our relationships are strange, estranged. Sometimes they're unique. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're up. Sometimes they're down. Sometimes it, it's chaos in itself. And so, do you think that people um, that those in ministry now um, feel a bit of anger um, as a human emotion? For the fact that perhaps our previous generation didn't uh, leave enough things in order for us, or did they leave enough things in order and we don't know how to move forward? It's kind of a loaded question. <laughs> I love it. Go ahead, brother. You guys uh, brought it up. I didn't bring it up. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I won't say anger. Um, I, well, I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for everybody else. I won't say anger. I know there's a bit of frustration when I talk to my friends in my friend group and in my generation. You know, I'm 26, so I'm kind of on the back end of the next generation. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, young, I'm a lot younger than some of these guys that's coming in. So, they, you know, the 40s and the 50s, it's like it's my turn because they're mad because the 70s and 80s took too long. They didn't want to step down. They, they, died, they died in the pulpit. I think my generation's biggest thing is now – um, even at 26 and 24 and 23 years old, coming up preaching as boy preachers, now we're saying, listen, I'm not going to die in the pulpit. Because we're, we witness people die in the pulpit and the churches die with them. Right. So there's a little bit of a frustration and disappointment because it's like you didn't have nobody else in mind. It don't even got to be me. You know what I'm saying? It don't got to be me, but there was no one else in mind to take the position when you left, you didn't groom anybody. You right. didn't grow anybody. You didn't prepare anybody to take your position when I step when I when we leave. Now the churches are in quarrels and we're having votes to figure out who the next pastor is and this church is suing that person and that person suing this person within the church. The church is suing each other. They're having fire in each other. They're putting out let there's so many things that are going on that you're like, Wow, this is this cannot be the house of God. Preach it, preach it. What we have to realize, and I think the church misses this a lot, while this stuff seems normal to us, this is normal church behavior, those who are lost when they see this, this is just another excuse for them not to come to church. Right. It's another excuse because y'all don't even get along with each other. (laughs) Why would I come there? Because when I go to the club, they love each other, right? When I go to the, the, the bartender knows my name and knows my drink before I get in there. Right. They know exactly what I need before I get there. And I get to church, and y'all fighting with each other over who the next pastor going to be because Sister Sally Mae don't like this person and Brother Johnny Joe don't like that person. That makes no sense. And we're in a position where now we're looking at the people who were before us like, yo, you ain't set up no plan. There's nothing written down on how we should move forward. 
You didn't even change the bylaws. So now when pastors die, deacons take over churches. And please tell me where you find that in the Bible. Nah, brother. There we go. <laughs> I'm talking now. I'm, 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 I'm being real. I'm being real. Like, tell me in the Bible where you find now the chairman of the deacon board is now the pastor of the church, and he's got a stronghold in the church for the next four years. And can't nobody now, come in there unless they go to the chairman of the deacon board. That makes no sense. Now our churches are stuck in a position where they're dying. They're on life support for a certain amount of years because somebody finally got control and power because that's what they really wanted. It's insane. And I think to, to speak to that, I think that's exactly what, what needed to happen. I think this season mm-hmm. this is a season of exposure. That's why I said God lets this stuff happen to expose what needs to be exposed so that the ones who are truly listening, it may have to be, listen, as much as we talk about uh, Moses and, and, and Joshua, Moses did not make the promised land. Mm. We forget that. We forget as great of a leader as he was, God called him and, and miracles at his hands, everything else. He had to watch them go in. He could only see it afar off. Why? Mm-hmm. We don't, and, and it's, it's hard because people don't, we don't want to disrespect our leaders. We don't want to disrespect those who came before us. And I get that. I understand that 100%. We want to honor all who came before us because they paved the way. However, we have to be able to admit and identify where they miss things. And that mm-hmm. does not take away from the fact that they were called. That does not take away from the fact that they were definitely God-fearing, God-honoring men. What it says is that they were human beings. And if we don't learn how to deal with our humanity, these things are going to continue. These things are going to perpetuate. And so um, you call it frustration. I mean, legit, like, there is, I believe that there is a righteous indignation that is allowed in this younger generation. Um, there was a funeral uh, for one of my uncles in our church uh, back in 2019, December, and I got up and I had some words, and I said, for those who, of us who are left, the younger, like, now I'm not quite 40 yet, I'm 39 this year, um, I'll be 40 mm-hmm. next year. We represent so, the un, the over 30 crew, and he, Kajana represents <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I said, we're not next, we're up, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and the reason why I said that was not to dishonor the ones who are left because I came to the realization that they weren't going to pass the baton. And, and so if we, those of us who are here don't learn from the mistakes of those who are leaving out and moving on, we have to prepare ourselves for the fact that nobody's going to pick us. They, they don't have confidence in us not because we are not capable, because they didn't do their part. And that's okay. We just have to be willing and able to admit that, to say mm. they did not train us the way that we needed to be trained. So they thought that we were inadequate because they didn't give us. And I'll, I'll explain something to you um, and to the audience. In my experience, again, now I'm telling you this from the position of someone who is now a bishop. I am a leader of leaders. I am a pastor of pastors there are things that i notice in in this particular position that if i don't think about them nobody else will Mm. so a lot of times things got slept uh what they call it slipped between the cracks because they were waiting for someone to stand up and take responsibility 
But because these men, especially in the African-American community, the black Pentecostal, Baptocostal, Baptist, whatever you want to call it, uh, background and, and culture or tradition, uh, many of these men were, one, unlearned until much later on in life. Right? A lot of these, like my pastor that I grew up with, he just died last year. Uh, he was 93 years old. He didn't finish the eighth grade. But he mm. pastored, he pastored a church for 60 years. So, so there were certain things that he did not have to give. At the same time, he had this high expectation of people to be just like him, who were this charismatic, you know, full of the Holy Spirit, got zeal, and we're just going to trust God and run. But we have no knowledge. And we're supposed to be using – so let me back up and slow down just a little bit. So now we have a whole generation of men that were in their 50s uh, – not 50s, excuse me, but 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s range that just kind of dropped off all at one point that were still active in the pulpit. And, and because of the mindset of an era, the mindset of the black church tradition age, they did not see passing on certain things as important because they, did, they just didn't see their own death. They just didn't see that they would not be here one day. And then by the time that, resign, you know, that, that resonated with them, it was too late. And then they look around, and this is the decline that we're having right now didn't just start. This was for the last 10 years, 15 years, churches have been on a gradual and consistent decline. Absolutely. All the pandemic did was put the straw on the camel's back. Right. All it did was just be the icing on the cake. And so I feel like, um, like you know, that frustration, I think we have a right to be frustrated. Um, and, but we can't let that frustration turn into rebellion. We can't let that frustration turn into, well, I'm just going to do it my own way because that's not, that's not pleasing Say to God either. Say that's, it again. <laughs> that's not pleasing to God either. So we have to be willing to submit to something and someone that is going to hold us accountable and that's what I see in the younger generation is like, well, because you didn't give me a shot, now I'm off. I'm going to do my own thing. And all rebellion does is produce more rebellion. And this is now why we see so many splits and so many different things happening and churches fighting against it. It's just it's the, the natural progression of things when we lose sight of God at the center of it all. Wow. So that's good. While, while, while we're dealing with all of those issues um, internally within ourselves, within our uh, denomination, within our um, church building, not the, not the body, but the church, um, with, with the organization, I should say, uh, while we're dealing with all of those uh, internal, external issues, how do we move our personal uh, ministries forward how do we attract other young people more importantly because you know young people are quick to as has been said already quick to you know walk off and you know older people are too because they'll just sit home and they ain't getting my money you know that's you know older people think their money controls everything <laughs> right so, i put the first brick here so you know they won't put any more bricks without me nah so, <laughs> this is my brick my pew at my window <laughs> So uh, how do we uh, attract this generation that, okay, 
So as we said, it this started a few years ago. So first of all, um, we're dealing as you all alluded to, and um, neither neither one of you are the first uh, our first generation uh, minister in your family. Um, so uh, you've been to church before. Somebody took you to church. The people you live with probably made you go to church. So, right. <laughs> We're dealing with people that um, nobody made them go to church. Nobody made their parents go to church. You know, it's just not a part of them. And so now, and they, now they have a reason to be frustrated or angry, and they're really not even thinking about God. So dealing with all these issues, how do we move our uh, discipleship gender agenda forward? Um, uh, <clears throat> there's a lot, a lot of parts to that question. Um, yes, sir. For those for those who are, are lost and have never been to church ever, right? They they don't have a, a a Christian background. Mama didn't make them go. Granddaddy didn't make them go. Grandma didn't make them go. Daddy didn't make them go. Um, for those people, one when you're in the midst of this this pandemic, see the pandemic is twofold. While there is a a virus and a disease, so there's a medical issue. There's a financial component to this as well. Mm-hmm. And because there's a financial component to where people aren't able to work, some of them because they have to stay home with their children, you got to acknowledge that fact. Some people, you know, I know this is a big thing, like people don't want to work. There are people who just don't want to work. But there are people who can't work because there's no one to watch their kids. There's no one to take care of the household while they're gone. Um, so they can't work um, because of the pandemic. Um there are those who have medical issues that prevent them from going out into the world because if they catch COVID, they put in their life on the line. So um, what we have to do as a church is we got to meet the need first. I find that so often, this is not our generation, but the generations before us, they will go straight to um, to preaching to you and hollering at you about about this Jesus who loves them so much and, and then walk away while these people are still hungry. Right? Yes, sir. We're not, we're not meeting the need. And soup kitchens is cool and all, but everybody's not humble enough to come to a soup kitchen. Right? Everybody's not humble enough to take the food that you, the canned goods that you have after service. Sometimes we need to get back to knocking on doors. And sitting in people's living rooms and calling people out to, to tent revivals to come on and feed them while you preach to them. Come on, sir. Meet their needs. We can raise money. To, I'm, I'm sorry. It frustrates me. It, it frustrates me when we're building bigger buildings on top of big buildings. We're making our big buildings bigger while people in our community are dying from starvation. And hunger, and they don't have jobs. Doesn't make sense to me. Yes, sir. We're we're, we're pumping money into towers of tower towers of Babel. Who can build the biggest church? <laughs> and people in our communities are dying of starvation. You know, we're pushing Beamers, Benzes, and Bentleys, and, and, and people in our communities are dying from hunger starvation, they don't know how to raise their kids, they, they're struggling for, with daycare and this and the third, and we ain't putting no money towards that. You might, get, you, you, you might get Sister Keisha to come to church 
if you would offer a daycare program for her kids. Hmm. You might get them to come to church. Right. If you could work out something where the kids have their own children's church and she can let her kids sit down while she hears the word and she doesn't have to focus on them. You you might get you you might get Brother Joe to come to church if you can tell him as a man what it looks like to be a man because his dad was never there and could never show him. Right. But here's the problem. That means that people in the pulpit, and I'm talking about myself, we got to stop being shysty. Come on, sir. Because when they look at us, they see crooks. When they look at us, they see pimps. They see players. They see all that. And they're like, why do I want to come get advice on how to be a man for you? from you? I can see that on TV. The dope boy down the street can tell, do that for me, and he puts money in my pocket. Right. So why do I need to come to church? There needs to be some type of self Reflection for those who are lost But hold on We also have to address address the situation Inside the church Because when people are like oh the young people are leaving No the young people are not leaving the church I think it was Dr. Brianna Parker Who said this Young people are not leaving the church They're leaving your church Let's be real And whether I agree with some of these movements or not Is is, is irrelevant But um, uh, Mike Todd got a bunch of young people Yes sir Uh, uh, Matthew Matthew Stevenson Matthew Stevenson got a whole lot of young people Like I said whether I agree with their movements And their theology or not Is irrelevant They got young people Yeah. Some of these churches are packed To the brim with young people these, these, you can say what you want about the uh, the CMAs and the 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 Hill songs, which you, whatever you want to say about them. But guess what? They're packed with young people, with millennials and Generation Z. You say what you want about that contemporary contemporary music, but those churches with that sound, with that movement, Maverick City is a movement. Yeah. Young people are following them wherever they go. They may not go to church anywhere in their community, but let Maverick City show up in their city. They go into the concerts. Yeah, the music draws you. The music draws them, and then they listen to these people online. And it don't matter what they I tell think them. I see Sarah Jakes Roberts shared more than I see anybody else shared ever by women that don't really even go to church. But guess right. what? They may not be going to your church, but they still going to church. They're going somewhere. Now you got to ask yourself, what's the difference between what my church is presenting and giving out and what these churches are presenting and giving out? And, and, and make sure, make sure I'm not saying you go ahead and mimic these ministries. Make sure that what they're doing is biblical and that it's not, <laughs> the theology isn't off. But maybe it's some love. Maybe it's care. Maybe it's the sound. Maybe we need to move away from a certain sound of church and move away from a certain tradition of church. That will draw people into the house of God Because y'all can say what you want I'm tired of hearing this Oh, this is our sound This is the black church sound The black church sound was different Let's not act like it hasn't shifted Because there was a point where When Little Richard would get on the organ In his back in his day And make certain sounds They ran him out of the church Okay, yes, sir But now that's the sound the church is holding on to We're always afraid of the shift Thing is uncomfortable Shifting requires things to be uprooted, to be shaken up, and for things to fall off, right? When earthquakes happen, things fall off of buildings. 
foundations are lifted up. Things are tested. And when yes. things are tested in the church, for some apparent reason, we're afraid of shifting. I'm done. I'm done. I'm sorry. I didn't move. No, nah, you're good. I, I, I think you uh, alluded to um, the cultural aspect of church, and uh, so many times church does become culture because culture is a major part of um, who we are. I mean, it's it's the way we we worship, it's the way we eat. I mean, for example, if you were to go to um, uh, uh, a, a southern family and it was Christmas dinner. You might have chitlins on the table. If you go to a, a Italian up? family or Christmas Eve, they're gonna have seven fishes. You know, right? So, <laughs> so culture uh, plays an important part in who we are, and so, and basically, what you're saying is, uh, we need to go beyond culture and look at uh, more biblical principles. I believe uh, what the the Bible say and um, Make sure that we're not creating our own clique too, because because sometimes we within church we create our own cliques, and so um, mm-hmm. or we belong to a certain uh, organization or denomination. And really, um, I always say this over and over again. Uh, Reverend uh, Eugene Makashan, he was the pastor at uh, Bethel Copeg, uh, mm-hmm. and he said, "Denominations are in my wallet: fives, tens, twenties, hundreds." Uh, that's how the, that's what denominations are. Uh, but that's another story. Bishop Wayne. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, man, he said so much, and I just uh, I have to say, uh, for a younger man, I will say uh, congratulations on being aware and paying attention. And I think that again, this is necessary. I think that there is a generation coming up, especially like myself. I. Uh, found myself drifting away from the uh, quote-unquote African-American experience, not because there was anything bad about it, because it wasn't enough. There were some things that were missing there, right? And so um, doing a lot of research on church history uh, and, you know, finding out what the early church looked like and what they taught and believed and so on and so forth gave me a very different view on the world as a whole. Forget about just church, on the whole world and how how we as Christians are supposed to view the world and, and, the, and the church and, and all of these different things. And so uh, my brother, I believe that everything you said is, is 100% on. Um, and, and you're right. The, the, what we have to do right now is uh, realize that if we don't right now correct the ship, like we are it, and I'm going to say that again, the generation between their fifties, I would say whoever's sixty and twenty something coming up, like you know, like you said, twenty six around thirty. This is a pivotal uh, generation between the thirty and sixty year olds, as far as ministers are concerned. If we do not shift the thinking of the generations that come behind us, or that the ones that we're responsible for teaching and training then as far as the African-American church, it's probably going to die out as far as a, as a tradition or, or culture. Because of, like you said, the Michael Todd's, because of the Matthew Stevenson's, uh, because of the, um, the, uh, the, the guy here, the guy here, Todd Bishop, Church Unleashed, 
because of all of these new quote unquote movements that are that are springing up that aren't really focused on denominations. They're not necessarily denominations in themselves. They call themselves movements. But mm-hmm. because they're willing to adjust and adapt in some areas, it's not even in all areas. It's just some. The church is now finding itself, especially the um, the African-American church, is finding itself being obsolete and becoming obsolete because we're trying to hold on to something that is ours, right? We made this. This belongs to us. Nobody else can have this. Well, then great. Then as people who feel like that begin to die off, there's nothing left. There'll be nobody left eventually. The church that I grew up, I remember in Amityville, 200 and something people on a Sunday. There was standing room only every Sunday. By the time we left the church, there was 40 or 50 people there. Going back a year ago when we moved back to go visit, 30, 20. Like, I, I watched the, the, the decline of the church because, wow. don't get me wrong, holiness is right. <laughs> I believe in holiness. I believe in sanctification. I believe in all the things that we were taught. I believe in that. You better. However, <laughs> the presentation, how you present the gospel, was matter in the age that you're in. And we had a whole bunch of teachers and leaders who came up in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and they wanted everything to stay exactly that way. But if they paid attention and, and studied, they'd realize that in the 20s and the 10s and the, the early 1900s, things weren't the way that they were then. There were always periods of transition. And we are right now in the greatest period of, and, and I, I believe it's the greatest transition, especially in America, that we've seen since America has, has been formed. We're, we're seeing this massive shift because it's not just happening here. It's happening around the world. Because mm-hmm. of the pandemic, I have a bishop. I have bishops in India. He told me that all of the churches are shut down. You know what they're doing? They're having house church underground and having house church. Now, we here in America are so focused on political correctness or not. Seeming to be like we don't like to rub uh, ruffle feathers. We don't like abrasiveness. We don't like anything that contradicts what we think or believe. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, because of that, you know, well, people look at you funny, and people are this and that and the third, and we're worried about what some people who, first of all, aren't even coming to our churches think. Yet there are people out there. Like I'm doing a crusade next week. I'm legit. I'm doing, I, I put out an advertisement. I'm spending my own personal money to reach out to people specifically with the message that if you have, if you're used to go to church, you've been harmed or hurt in church, come. If you haven't been to church, come. If you're hurt because of the pandemic, come. If you lost loved ones, if you lost money, come. If you're hungry, whatever, come, right? Because there's this Jesus I want to introduce you to. I'm, I'm focused on, I like, I, I legit is like, I'm asking God, like, I don't want a bunch of church. I don't want a church revival. I'm running a crusade because I want people who legitimately are hungry and thirsty for what God has to offer. If we would get back to that focus and stop worrying about catering to all of the Christians who are supposed to be maturing and growing up, then we'll see what we need to see in the church. We'll start to see new people come in 
And those new people will be trained and raised up. They become disciples, and they will begin to go and share what happened to them, just like the woman at the well or anyone else in Scripture who went to run and tell everybody what Jesus had done. The reason why we're seeing a decline is because that isn't happening. The church has got focused on the people inside the four walls, have gotten focused on how we do things in here, and if you don't like it, you can go. Okay, well then, guess what? People are leaving. And, and I commend, like you said, Matthew Stevenson and, and uh, Michael Todd and the rest of these guys. They are out there. They're writing books. They got movie deals happening. They're doing all of the stuff that are attracting people who are not in church to come. Right. And not so, only that, for, the, for those that are in the New York area, like I think um, that actually they're planting churches everywhere. I think Matthew Stevenson is coming to New York or he's in New York or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he's coming. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. yeah so. He's coming to New York because, you know why? New York is like, I, I I heard a prophecy. I believe it. I believe that's why God sent me back here now that I heard it. It said, uh, you know, there's going to be a new revival and it's going to come out of New York. Well, I'm I'm planning on being at the epicenter of it. Why? And and they say revival, but I don't I don't call it a revival in a sense. I just say that it is it is a move uh, of of people. When people decide to access the grace that is available in Jesus, to do what He commanded us to do, the gospel will be spread. The gospel will work. People will be healed. There'll be signs and wonders. Hungry will be fed. The homeless will be, like, they'll find a home. All of these things will happen when we, the body of Christ, decide to actually operate like the body of Christ. But nothing else will happen if we don't do that. If we're so focused on just what's happening inside of our, our community and what's going on within us, it just it frustrates me to see a bunch of Christians having, you know, we have super, supernatural healing night. And it's only Christians there. So it's Christians praying for Christians, like, <laughs> How good is that? Like we have a prophetic, you know, conferences and it's all Christians coming to be prophesied to. What good is your prophecy if it's not going to prophesy to the lost to say that Christ has come to you and has delivered you and has freed you from the bondage of sin. And now you are set free. You are made whole and you are delivered. Now go and sin no more. That's what prophecy is supposed to be about. But we want to talk about cars and houses and, and all that kind of stuff. Bump that. That ain't helping nobody who don't have a job. That's so true. how about we prophesy to somebody's life and say, hey, I'm going to give you a job. Why, why isn't the churches owning business? Like, I own businesses, right? And, and, and I give my businesses over to the church. So that way, number one, the church has an income source so that way we're not fleecing people just to keep giving to us, but we're actually generating revenue by providing a service or a product, number mm-hmm. one. And number two, I can actually provide jobs in the community for people who are hungry or who are needy, who need somewhere to stay. I can say, come work for me. I'm not charging you nothing. Just come get a job, and I'm going to show you how to make money. Yeah. When we yeah. have leaders who are going to do that in mass as a norm in the church, watch what happens. Until then, it's going to keep declining. Wow. And, then, you know, um, that is the uh, sad reality uh, that the church has been on a decline. Uh, we we we're, we're running out of time, uh, but I do want to give our listeners an opportunity. If you want to call in, shout us out, question, comment, concern, 619-924-0800, 619-924-0800. We're talking cause and effect. And um, we are also, um, just to piggyback on um, 
the last uh, few statements that uh, were being said, um, it, it seems to me that um, tradition and culture uh, are very impactful and um, not that we are promoting anybody else's ministry, but we are seeing um, that people are responding to the non-traditional church, and we're not saying that's the better way. We're not saying anybody has the right way or the absolute, but um, there's definitely a cultural shift taking place, and it's, and it's obvious. And the thing um, that we all need to know if anybody's read church history and if we go back to the early days of, of the, if you look at the Pentecostal movement or you look at Azusa, you will find that um, those days, which were, you know, a little over 100 years ago, uh, it was a multicultural uh, experience. Now, down the line, there, did, there were some uh, shifting that took place uh, along the color divide, but um, the original outpouring was multicultural. We know that the the the, the Acts Church, um, when the Holy Spirit came, we know that every man heard in their own tongue and we know that there were people from everywhere there. So, you know, God transcends transcends culture, color, uh, denomination, um, all those things, isms and schisms. That is not who God is and that's not who the church should be uh, so we uh, definitely need to end this season in this hour in this time period in this what has been called the new normal or whatever you want to call it we do need to do re-evaluation first of all we need to um, evaluate ourselves take uh, an inner look um, someone said an inner look an outer look and an upward look um, that's right. I think Dr. King um, talked about, it escapes me now, maybe somebody remembers, uh, he talked about the three, the three, the three parts of life. Um, you know, I'm going to come back next week and I'm going to mention that. So, um, but somebody may know what I'm talking about. Uh, we have caller. Uh, caller, God bless you. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Reverend Lamar. Good afternoon. How are you? Good. This is Elder Elect Jordan. God bless you, Elder Jordan. Uh, uh, thank you for sharing with us this afternoon. Uh, is there something you'd like to share with our audience or with our guests on today? Yes. First of all, I want to say kudos to you men of God. This is, you know, just really awesome um, you know, I did a live this morning and I talked about the father's responsibility to his child or children and to listen to this broadcast with only men up here and you're given the instructions, you know, that need to be given. I, I just think that this is so powerful um, in this conversation uh, that you're having also what I'm loving about the conversation is you're not just talking about the problem, but you're also talking about solutions. And, you know, so many times people only talk about the problems, but they never offer solutions. Um, 
and you know, I also have been commenting, so you'll probably see them uh, perhaps after the broadcast. But one of the things also the church needs to remember is that we've been called to be a resource to the community. We have ample examples of where Jesus made sure that he was a resource wherever he ministered. He did not go into into those communities to take away from those communities, but he went into those communities to give. Amen. Remember that we are a resource. And in regards to, you know, with this younger generation, um, you know, something that I did talk about a little bit um, on one of my talk shows uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, but, you know, one of the things that concerns me is we're so caught up in trying to get these numbers that we're willing to cross that line. And someone a little while ago did, you know, talk about that, you know, uh, their churches are overflowing, um, you know, but I just think that in our effort to win the masses, we need to make sure that we stay on track with the word of God, that we're not making up our own stuff for the sake of attracting attracting these masses because, first of all, they're going to have to give an account after yeah. all is said and done. Mm-hmm. And then secondly True. is when it when everything comes to a head in terms of you have all these thousands and possibly millions of people, you know, you're teaching a doctrine that is not fully supported by the word of God, what is going to happen to all of those souls? You know, so, but again, I didn't mean to really say all that, but I just, you know, wanted to say kudos to you men of God. I'm really um, enjoying this conversation and I just thank God. Uh, you know, for uh, the form that uh, Reverend Lamar that you have presented to allow these conversations to take place. Have a blessed Amen. day. Amen. Thank you. And we uh, want you all to listen to Intimate Talk Show on Thursdays at 7 p.m., correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's do it up on our social media. God bless you. Our number in studio six one nine nine two four zero eight zero zero. Um we are come we've just about come to the close of the hour, so we have to um wrap this up. Uh we'll give you a minute or two, six one nine nine two four zero eight zero zero. But um we thank you, uh both Minister Kajana Walker and uh Bishop Wayne Junior uh for sharing with our audience, the global gospel audience today for representing the under 30 and the over 30 crew, <laughs> and uh, um, bringing, uh, shedding light on our current situation and certainly how we should move forward. Um, I do want you all to give uh, give you all a, a chance to, um, before you give your uh, closing, uh, concluding words for this episode, and I certainly will have you both back separately at um, another time uh, because I know that you both have a wealth of information. You definitely have a message to share uh, with the world. And uh, so uh, we do want you to shout out, uh, give a shout out to who you desire to shout out on today, and uh, and we'll uh, move forward. All right. So I'm going to give a shout out, first of all, um, to all the pastors and preachers and teachers who are standing strong in the midst of this pandemic, 
I know it has not been easy. So to you, we salute you. We thank God for you. Keep your hands to the plow. Don't give up. Don't turn over. Don't give in. Um, God is still with you, and he's still moving you. And if you feel like you're out of place, take a moment, step back, and get right where God needs you to be. Um, also want to shout out all those first responders, those EMTs, those firefighters, those police officers, those doctors, those nurses who have been on the front line of this pandemic, making sure that we navigate safely through this thing on the medical front. Um, we thank God for you. And my last shout out is to these two young men that I have the privilege of being uh, online with right now. Um, I thank God for Bishop Wayne and thank God for Reverend Townsend for the invitation and the conversation. Thank God for both of them for leading us into our new normal after this. Amen. And uh, yeah, that, that's, those are good shout outs, brother. I, I definitely want to shout out to the pastors, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, all bishops, anyone who's leading people. Uh, please don't be weary in well-doing. Don't get tired in doing the work of the Lord. If you said yes, this is what you signed up for. So remember the vow that you took before God to serve him and his people. And because and remember that your reward is great. Your reward is great in heaven. If you do that with, with all righteousness, following and obeying the word of the Holy Spirit, obeying the commands of Jesus Christ, and just walking in grace and the power of God, uh, you will come out of this victorious. Uh, I trust, just trust and believe that God is going to get us through all of this, and he's going to make it all up. I promise you. I'll tell you, even the things that God has revealed to me and showed to me, that he is going to make it up to those who are faithful in this season. So please don't ever, don't ever think about going back and looking back. I also want to uh, shout out to the families who have gone through and suffered and lost loved ones, uh, I want to let you know that my prayers are with you, uh, that I want you to stay strong and trust and believe that uh, anyone that God allowed you to have for that season, that if you love them the way that God commanded you to love them, then they are, they, they were loved. And that's all that matters. A lot of people are suffering because they lost loved ones and they feel like they didn't get a chance to do this and that, the third. But if you love them, then trust and believe that they are loved. And um, outside of that, man, you two brothers, I, I, God bless y'all. I, I appreciate this conversation. I really would like to connect again and um, and even dive a little bit deeper into this conversation. Awesome. Um, do you have the uh, information that you can share with us about your crusades? Yeah. So Date, Long time, Island, location? Yeah. Long Island, if you're in the city, if you want to come drive out here, it's in West Babylon, but we are hosting the Abundant Life Crusade. Uh, we're going to have music, singing, there's going to be prayer, there's going to be uh, brief messages. I'm not going to do the hour-long preaching or anything like that. But the reality is, is that if you, if you have suffered any loss, if you are, uh, you know, dealt with any fear or anxiety due to COVID, um, anything like that, then please come. If you know somebody who needs prayer, who needs support, who needs to be loved in this season, then bring them, have them come. We'll be meeting at 209 Little East Neck Road, and that's in West Babylon, New York. That's 209 Little East Neck Road, and that's September 24th through the 26th, and we'll be meeting at 7 p.m. every single night, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 7 p.m. here on Long Island, New York. We would love to see you there so we can pray with you, we can hug you, love on you, and, and show you God's abundant love. Amen. Uh, once again, I want to thank uh, my brothers, uh, Minister Kajana, Bishop Wayne, 
uh, for taking time out of their schedule to share with us. For those of you that have perhaps missed any part of the conversation, we want you to know we immediately following this episode, uh, you can check us out on Google Play, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or at www.blogtalkradio.com slash global hyphen gospel. And certainly um, we will uh, be delighted if you continue to share this message and spread the word. And certainly I have been enlightened on today and certainly I have been educated and um, uh, thank God for this uh, fellowship and certainly I said uh, I say it again I will, will have you all back um, I do uh, like the fact that um, you both mentioned um, which is another story for another day uh, so I'm not even going to go into that conversation uh, but you mentioned how this younger generation is uh moving towards a different kind of church and as not church as we know it or as our parents or definitely not as our grandparents uh, knew it. And so uh, we both, all of us, because I know both come from a traditional uh, background, whether it be Baptist or Pentecostal, uh, it's all all we've known is tradition and we grew up with that. And so, uh, we're not confined to that, but uh, or confined to that, but um, we know that God is real. Uh, but certainly, that does raise the issue of our uh, generation moving towards a different type of worship, and what is good about that, and what is bad about that. And certainly, there's pros and cons to everything. And so, uh, I think we'll have to revisit that uh, later. And which is not to not reflect on any one specific person or ministry, but that is something definitely worth revisiting uh, what this generation is um, being drawn to. So once again, I thank you. Thank God for my sponsors, MPT Enterprise, Abyssinia, Melanated Beards, the Nationwide Black Family Mediation Services, Melanie's Factory, Third Lounge, Ryan Wilson. Thank you for the uh, post that you see today. Uh, with our guest, uh, Ryan is the man behind uh, that artwork. Again, thank you all. I think, uh, Minister Kajana, you opened us up with prayer, right? Did you open us up? Yes, sir. Okay, so um, Bishop Wayne is going to close. I think, did everybody say everything that they wanted to say? Are all hearts and minds clear, as we say in church, (laughs) or we used to say? All right. So, uh, all right. Uh, so once again, thank you, my brothers, uh, for sharing with the world. Uh, Bishop Wayne, it's on you. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we come to you thanking you for wisdom and guidance. We pray that you would continue to lead us by your Holy Spirit into all truths. And as this world begins to shift even more, and they're calling this this new normal, Father, I pray that the church would return to the things that you have established within us. I pray that the church would begin to return and to look, as the scripture says, to the ancient paths, the paths that led to righteousness, the paths that led to deliverance and freedom and wholeness and victory in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that we would begin to search in ourselves, to be honest with ourselves about where we are and where we stand, God, and begin to examine ourselves as mature believers so that way we can 
be effective in the ministry of evangelizing the lost. Father, please reveal to us the, the, the deepest parts of our hearts and our souls so that way we can do whatever is necessary to repent, to change, so that way we can be part of the transformation process of this world. God, I pray that you would send those laborers out into the field because the harvest is plenty and ready to be picked. God, thank you for this day. We thank you for this platform. Thank you for the host and the, and the other guests. God, we just pray that you would bless them, that you would be with them in their ministries, and that you would encourage them, even now during this pandemic, to realize that this is not the way things will always be, but you will restore everything that was lost. You will restore all that we have given up. You will restore everything and make it even better than it was before. We thank you for this, and we give you all honor, praise, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Amen. Thank you. Global Gospel every Saturday from 1 p.m. until 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at www.blogtalkradio.com slash global hyphen gospel. Remember, God is on our side.